You're listening to Very Loose Women. Good evening, listeners, and thanks for tuning in to Resonance 104.4 FM. You've just heard the wonderful Club Integral, and you're now listening to Very Loose Women. As usual, featuring me, Emma, and I'm with Leo. Hi. And Catherine. Hello. We're really excited to welcome back Florence Breton, who runs the Women Speak Out project, and to introduce Naisha, who participates in the project. So welcome to the show, guys. Hi. Um, before we get started, has anyone got a gripe or a mini celebration to share? So I have a bit of both. <gasps> Go on, then. So I painted my nails with a new nail colour that I bought the other day. I didn't know whether I liked it when I bought it. For listeners who aren't here in the studio, it's kind of pink, but like a slightly purpley pink. What is its nail polish name? Bubblicious, which is kind of why it put me off. But I put it on and I realised I liked it so much that today at work, I've been really struggling to work because when I'm typing, I just keep admiring my nails and enjoying it. Is it a gripe or a celebration? Don't know, bit of both. Confusing. Uh, What about you, Florence? Uh, I managed to get away with eating my own food in an overpriced cafe today, which was pretty sweet. Well, I used their Wi-Fi and electricity socket, so pretty pleased with that did you use their cutlery no i didn't actually the step too far i bought my own fork <laughs> what about you naisha um i've got a job interview next monday so Ooh, good luck. For that. congratulations so, yeah. and hopefully a massive celebration afterwards yep. yeah good luck hopefully. and what about you leo obviously i think you all know this but i have the best mini celebration i think maybe actually not as good as a job interview <laughs> but so <laughs> on on the way on the way to work today i was wearing this coat that i haven't worn since like november and i was looking i just felt something in the pocket and it felt like a pair of glasses that i hadn't had for like well, a good six months. Oh, you could just tell by the feel that that's exactly what it was. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, I found them. My dad had bought them in like a market like years ago for me. And, and I thought I'd lost them. And actually, no, I have them. And bonus, bonus Millie celebration. I also found an, an old USB key and a tampon. <laughs> Fantastic. All the things you might need for a night on the town. It's a bit of a, is it a gripe or a celebration? So I'm going to Berlin this weekend. That's obviously a celebration. I'm very excited. Uh, and earlier in the week, I was thinking, oh, I should probably like seek out my passport because that's quite an important item when going, you know, doing some international travel. But I kind of forgot about it. And the other day I was emptying my bin in my in my room into like the big bin, you know, to put outside. And I emptied it into this big bin bag and happened to just glance inside the big bin bag and I saw my passport sitting there. <laughs> so wow. I think it's kind of a celebration because obviously I have my passport. It's kind of a gripe that I would be so foolish as to lose my passport in a bin. It was a potential very big gripe yes. when next week we hear about how you couldn't go to Berlin. Exactly. But that's been avoided. So well done. Thank you. Thank you very much, everyone. Okay, so let's talk about the kind of main topic here. We've got Florence here, who I think a lot of our listeners will remember because we've done a few episodes now with you talking about Women Speak Out. You know you make me want to shout. Look, my hands jump up. So that was Lulu with Shout, just to give us another introduction to the wonderful Women Speak Out project, who've appeared on the show a few times now. Could you just give us a little, if anyone's missed it the first or second time round, could you kind of remind us what the project is? Yeah, sure. Um, The Women Speak Out project um, runs out of the Women's Resource Centre, which is a UK umbrella body for women's charities in the UK. And I run a project called Women Speak Out, which gathers women's stories of uh, inequality through video um, and also supports them through media training and um, encouraging women to submit their stories to policy consultations so that um, decision makers can um, be informed about their lives. And um, yeah, we hope to change policy through that as well. 
And can you tell us, um, if people want to take part, how can they take part if they're interested in sharing their stories? And also, how can we watch the videos that you've already made? Uh, yeah, sure. So you can go to the website to watch some of the videos, which is um, womenspeakout.wrc.org.uk. But look out for uh, a website revamp, which is coming hopefully at the end of August. The WRC website's being revamped. And to take part in the project, you can email um, womenspeakout at wrc.org.uk. Great, thanks very much. Okay, and um, before we hear kind of Naisha's story and the story that you've shared uh, with Women Speak Out, Naisha, did you have a song that you wanted to introduce for us? This song is called Because by Georgia Ann Muldrow, and it's just a very nice song. Like, I'm not really into, like, ballads or, like, slow songs when I'm feeling down or, like, going for anything, but this song is just very uplifting, it's very positive. for that choice. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on the show to share your story with us. How did you first hear about Women Speak Out and what made you want to get involved? Basically, I was part of a women's creative writing group at Spires Community Centre in Streatham. And um, Florence was sitting in on one of our sessions and we were talking about why we're inspirational women. And um, I was kind of talking about, you know, my passion for mental health and other people's well-being, my experience experiences on being a young carer and my fears about my own mental health as well and then um we done a video for the spires website and florence kind of asked if i was interested in doing something for women speak out so i think you've kind of touched on it there but what was the issue the main issue you spoke out on mental health and being a, a young carer and what made you want to speak out about it why did you want to share that story i think at that time i was ready to talk about it i was never really um willing to be open about my experiences i just i'm i'm very passionate about mental health you know i've done psychology for my degree and it's something that i want to do in my career so i wanted to talk about it can you explain a little bit more about what a young carer is um to be honest, I always have difficulty with that question and I think a lot of young carers do because when you're a so-called young carer, you don't define yourself as a young carer. It's just kind of like, it's a term that's kind of placed on you by mental health professionals. So um, in, the, in the general sense, I would say a, a, a young carer is someone that cares for either their mom or their dad or a loved one that has some kind of issues with mobility or physical health problem or mental health problem. And when did you kind of realise that you were a young carer, or I guess that's a term maybe you're not sure you want to use, but like, when did you realise that maybe you had a responsibility that other people don't necessarily have for their parents? <sighs> to be honest, I didn't know that I was like a young carer until my mum's social worker referred to me as a young carer. Wow. And I was like, oh wow, that's, is, is that what I am? Because I don't, you don't see it as, it's not, a, it's not a role or a title, you just see it as it's your duty, it's someone that you love and it's someone that you care about. So you just, you take on that role. So what have your experiences of caring been? Can you tell us a little bit? To be honest, it's been very stressful, especially when you're trying to hold down a job and when you're in full-time education and you've also got to look after your, look after your parent. You're not, you're not also looking after them, but you're doing like, you know, the domestic stuff and paying bills and making sure that everything is 
maintained but it's also there's also an emotional duty to it as well it's not just the practical stuff you your identity becomes like tied to that person so you're not you're not your own person anymore you know and I think for a lot of young carers you often do like develop kind of codependent issues because they are your priority when they're happy you're happy when they're sad you're sad and when it comes to actually knowing about how you're feeling or what your thoughts are you don't know because you've neglected yourself for so long that it's just gone past that point so you there's a there's a disconnect there and there's a sense of isolation as well and I think for a lot of young carers I feel like they're a lot more prone to kind of developing a mental disorder their self because when you're in that environment with someone that it's 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 disturbing for for lack of a better word you know to see the deterioration in your parent and it's it can almost be contag- contagious mm-hmm. because you're part of their reality their reality is your reality and you're, you're the only one that gets it you know when you mentioned so this social worker referred to you and you suddenly kind of realized this mm. because of because of that i was wondering what your relationship is like with that social worker and how you two kind of interact um, to be honest with her i kind of i did get on with her because she was one of the only people that i felt that she had a passion for her job she she was empathetic she spoke to people on their level she was concerned she didn't come at it in a way where she's trying to diagnose you or she's trying to analyze you she she was genuinely interested so i think she was just going by the jargon that they use but in terms of like other professionals and when they apply it to me it's they just they just want to find a label for me like that's what you are yeah you know and so in terms of kind of your relationship so you're kind of a carer for your mom mm-hmm. um how does caring impact your relationship because i think I mean, on kind of when I think about my parents and if I ever feel like I'm in a situation where I have to care in some way for a parent, obviously I will do that and I appreciate that I have to do that and that's, you know, an emotional connection that we have. But on one level, there's a level of kind of resentment because yeah. I feel like I'm the child and yeah. why, am I, why am I doing that? Is that yeah. something that you experience? I was, that's you? the word that I was going to use is you do feel resentful because, you know, you see your friends and their relationship with their mums and they can kind of rely on them for things and they, they have that guidance and they have that shelter and they have that protection and you don't necessarily have that and it's not you know it's like it's hard you don't you just don't have that freedom and I'm not talking like a physical freedom I can still go out with my friends and do whatever but I you never have that emotional freedom they're always at the back of your head you know no matter where you are no matter where you go you're always thinking oh is my mum all right is she okay has she eaten has she this so you can't really escape it you know and there's there's a sense of guilt there that it just doesn't go away you feel obligated I know that for myself, when I've imagined that kind of scenario happening in my family or when it has happened in my family, it's generally been when someone's much older Mm. and the idea of caring for an elderly relative. Mm. And maybe um, I think a lot of people are more familiar with the types of support networks out there for caring with um, an elderly relative. What kind of support did you have? What has been out there to help you? To be, from my experience, there hasn't been much. I think um, my mum was not granted the kind of channels that she should have had. You know, things kind of escalated very quickly and she ended up in a very bad place very quickly. You know, your first port of call should always be your GP, which is who I went to, because we have the same doctor. And um, 
this was about four years before she started getting really bad. And I told her, like, look, this is what's happening with my mum. You need to come round and you need to do an assessment. And she came round and she told me there's nothing wrong with your mum. I don't know what you're talking about. There's nothing wrong with her. So fast forward four years when things had got really, really bad and I'd gone and spoke to her again and it was only when I'd left the GP room that she shouted out to me, oh, actually, there is someone that I know that you can talk to. She's like a community social worker. She works for Croydon Council. So I'm thinking, why why wasn't I told this before it, it got to this point and I think especially with mental health particularly I would say black mental health as well it's only when it gets to that point where they feel that they're, they're dangerous or they're a threat that something really starts to happen you know but when I did get in contact with the support worker she was actually she was very helpful she got my mom um, in touch with the community health team and they tried to encourage my mom to go on medication which obviously she refused because she she herself doesn't believe that there's something wrong with her you know she struggles with that coming to terms with that when it actually got to the point where my mom ended up in a secure unit um i feel like there was a huge lack of communication from the professionals there i'd always have to call up and find out what's happening you know, I feel like as as a carer, I should know what what kind of medication you plan to put her on. What what maybe not a particular diagnosis, but what kind of realm of thinking are you at? You know, what how is my mum interacting in this environment? All these different things. I was kind of left out in the cold. It seems like there's is a kind of knee jerk at each at each point. It's nothing, and then it's okay, we're yeah. going to deal with this, and yeah. then, okay, we're going to do something that's completely out of your control. And it, in each time, it seems, like you say, there's the communication yeah. issue is just so, yeah. it's just so huge. Like As a young carer, they don't prepare you for the different stages of what's going to happen. I don't have the language that you have. I don't know the, the jargon, you know, so there needs to be some kind of effort made to kind of break things down to young carers this is what this means this is what this is what's going to happen here this is what we're trying with your mum you know to they they need to at the end of the day when it comes to this situation I'm the smartest person here because I know what I'm talking about I know what her symptoms are I know how she behaves in in this situation and that situation so you need to be in communication with me if you want to help her well, exactly. You're the, their best resource, and yeah. they're not—they're not using that. I think it's also like incredibly impressive. You know, when when you went as a quite a young person, yeah, really going yeah. to a doctor, and mm-hmm. I think it's just a real failing that they didn't really listen to you. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like you had any support, maybe at school or any, anywhere else, that they could give you at that time? Like when I was at school, like six, seven, yeah, six, seven years ago, mental health wasn't what it is now. It wasn't really spoken about like that and to be honest I didn't really understand what was going on at that time anyway so I don't think I would have been in the position to talk to someone at school so it seems like each failing that is coming the responsibility just systematically falls on your shoulders because Mm. you're the one who's there of course and so each time they fail you have more I think it's also just really important to note that this is actually this week is actually mental health awareness week and I think that's also really important because it's kind of it's kind of to help destigmatize mental health issues and I think that's something that definitely in your video that you produced you talked about the kind of stigma around it and especially you talked about the stigma maybe in your own community mm-hmm. and also I think there's been a lot of research on that recently uh, I'm just going to find you a little quote um, which said in order to imp- improve mental health literacy raise awareness of mental health conditions and combat stigma among BME so that's black and minority ethnicity mm-hmm. communities we need to improve information about services and access to pathways for these groups so you know what was your experience maybe of the stigma and can you maybe talk about it in your own community what I you think, think the issues are um, 
for 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 young black carers is very it's very different because there's already this sense of isolation when things are going on at home. We're not taught to talk about things outside the confines of the, the walls of the house. You know, this is family business. People don't need to know. It, that's how we're kind of brought up. So when you're a young black carer and you've got your kind of shoulder in all of that, you just feel even more isolated. You don't feel like you have anyone to talk to. Um, in terms of kind of stigma, one thing that really like struck me and I... I I can never kind of forget is like the first time I went to go visit my mum in a secure unit and I was really shocked to see the the population of of, of black patients in there I, I, I just really couldn't believe it not even just in the female ward but the male mm. ward also what also struck me was even though black people I'll say black because I can't really speak on, on other and another ethnic minority but is that all the senior professionals, the doctors, the psychiatrists were either Asian or white. And it's like, well, if, if the, the majority of the population of your patients in there are black, why have you not got more senior professionals? And I'm not saying that, you know, white or, white or um, Asian doctors are not capable of doing their job, but you need to be able to have that person who can connect the dots in, in ways that you might not be able to, people that understand the community, the culture. Do you get what I mean? So yeah. I think that's... a there's a there's a massive gap there. And since going through this process of treatment and now joining the Women Speak Up project, what's your relationship like with your mum at the moment, having been through this? Um, to be honest, it's more so my journey. Um, mm. I haven't really like spoken to my mum about what I'm doing. Obviously, it's still a very sensitive t- topic for myself and my mum and um, it's hard for her to come to terms with her own mental health but I feel like I'm doing it because of my own experiences and wanting to improve my own mental health as well and I think that's very important for young carers to know when to look after yourself you know and to know when to put yourself as priority sometimes. So do you have any advice maybe if someone hears this and thinks you know maybe I'm a young carer what could what advice would you give that person? Um I would say is firstly is to talk to someone. For me, I kept it to myself for a very long time. I didn't tell my friends or my family. I just I just kept it to myself. But when you have that person that you can feel like you can just offload on, it's really helpful. I think, yeah, I think that would be the main thing. Have there been like any support networks or anything that you know of that would be useful resources? Or is there anything you've been part of that's really helped you? And maybe even the Women Speak Out, how has that helped you? I say it's helped me because it's kind of helped me come to terms with my own reality and to kind of disconnect my, kind of find my own identity in the sense, you know, who am I now as a person after all these years of experiences and enduring all the things that I have alongside my mum, you know, how has it made me feel? Where am I now, you know? And I think it's really helped me to kind of just gather everything up and just express myself. There was something you mentioned to me before about um, knowing, giving advice to young carers about knowing when to intervene as well. I yeah, know. I think for for a lot of young carers, I think sometimes you kind of over over care. You know, you don't really know when to intervene and when not to intervene. And I think when you're someone that's suffering from mental illness, I think the, the, one of the most valuable things you have is your independence. And I think when you're a young carer, sometimes you just, you're so used to doing everything that you don't allow 
you know the person that you're caring for to to have that freedom to do things so in a sense you're not helping them and you're not helping yourself and you you have to know when to put yourself first as well so you know and also you need to know that it's not not all of it is your duty you know that there are people out there that are meant to be there to help you and to to kind of um, just alleviate you a little bit. Before we wrap up, just I wondered if there's any kind of misconceptions or anything you wanted to address, anything you want our listeners to know about your experience. I think it comes with the title of Young Carer. I think a lot of the time when we think of Young Carer, we think of someone that's looking after someone who's got like a, you know, like a mobility problem or like a, a, a physical impairment, but you, mm-hmm. don't, you don't kind of associate it with someone that's looking after someone with a mental health problem. So I think that, you know, the, the term needs to be, like, broadened a little bit and, you know, more more definition needs to be brought to what the term, like, young carer is because I think that when you're looking after someone who's got um, mental health issues, it's not just, like, a practical duty. You're not just doing physical things. It's an emotional duty as well. Thank you so much for coming on. Just wish you the best of luck with Thank everything. You. Thank, Thank you so you much. Um, did you want to choose a song to introduce your song to lead us out and maybe explain if it has any significance yeah this this song it's just a nice song i just like it it's very uplifting it's very positive and whenever you're feeling down it just makes you have a bit more get up and go um, and it's called beautiful by mali music cool thank you so much and thanks florence again for bringing us another wonderful guest thank you um, and thanks listeners for listening uh, we've been various women and you can listen you can tweet us at vlw radio and you can listen to all our podcasts on acast or itunes and i think we're being followed by a program all about marlena dietrich so enjoy goodbye Just a bit of background and a bit of extra information about young carers for anyone who wants to know a bit more. Um, so a young carer is basically anyone who's under 18 who helps look after someone in their family or a friend who is ill, disabled or misuses drugs or alcohol or has mental health problems. Um, there are about 700,000 young carers in the UK and so that's about one in every 12 secondary school students. They can help out doing things like practical tasks or physical care or emotional support. See, it can have a huge impact on someone young having to do those things um, who maybe doesn't necessarily have the opportunity to do things they want to do. Uh, even things like going to school. One in every 20 young carers miss school because of their role. Uh, something that I found quite shocking and actually something that kind of echoes what Naisha said is that um, in surveys that have been done, 39% of young carers have said that nobody in their school at all was aware of their caring role. So that's obviously a huge responsibility. Uh, to place on a young person. 
Although it sounds like Naisha was not well supported and has not been well supported, there are organisations out there that can offer support. For example, the Carers Trust, 